You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Ah, oh, ladies, it is so good to finally be up here with you. Are you ready? It's not bad. Okay. I soon learned when I moved over, I'm originally from America, she said, and I soon learned when I moved over that I had to make up cards for the Brits. <laughs> one said, amen. One said, you go, girl. And one said, preach it, sister. And I used to bring those with me everywhere I went. And if it got quiet, I would flip up a card and like, <laughs> you know, so interaction is brilliant. But I have learned every time I say that, every time I say that, so you don't have to say this, but every time I say that, after I speak, someone will come up and say, it's just the way we are, the Brits. We really are excited on the inside. We just don't show it on the outside. So I've been here so many years, I have learned. I'm like, don't be, you know, don't take all of your lovely faces too much to heart sometimes, um, you know, because you're just listening, you know. Sometimes I think, gosh, they're really angry. And I thought, no, no, they're just listening. Just remind myself, they're just listening. Um, I'm a typical woman. I mean, they put this exactly where I told them to put it, but you know, you still need to nest, don't you? <laughs> Even if you're preaching, I nest. I'm like, Anna, I gotta feel the room. I gotta feel the, the ladies and see how hungry we are. I sense there's a real hunger though. I sense you're wanting to hear from the Lord. Is that right? Has anybody come saying, God, I really need to hear from you today. Anybody in the balcony? I'm not going to forget you guys up there. Okay, yeah. Hello, hello in the balcony. Um, like, uh, let me ask this. How many people are, have, has anybody heard me speak before? Because that kind of helps. Oh, really? I just want to, yes, speak back. Great. You think so? Okay, that's all right. I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> Pardon? In Turkey. Yes, I have spoken in Turkey. Was she good? Was she all right? Okay, good. That was me. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I've been over here 15 years. I call myself an Ameribrit because I'm half American and half British. So when you get your citizenship, you'll be a Canadabrit. Yes. Canadabrit. That doesn't quite sound the same, does it? I like it. I coined the Samara. I don't think I coined it, but I like to think that I did. The Samara Brit. A little bit of the background of the story, very, very briefly, just to help you kind of know a little bit about me. Um, I've grown up, always grew up in Michigan, lived in Michigan until my mid 30s, which is going to tell you now. I'm turning 50 this year, ladies. Wow. I know! Isn't that amazing? Thank you! I have decided that my 50s are going to be the most fabulous of all the decades. Do we have any 50s in here? Come on, is it good? I am very excited. Though I have to say this, actually, I think we're all ladies, just the boy, just close your ears. But I think last week I was speaking somewhere, and the night before, all sorts of turmoil I won't go into. But you know how sometimes, maybe once a month? You have to, you know, kind of sort some things out. Well, so middle of the night, sorting things out. The next morning, sorting things out. And I'm like, something doesn't look the same as it, you know, something's just not right here. And I went to the packaging and realized that I had bought bladder control pads for the elderly. <laughs> I was like, Lord, <laughs> I know I'm turning 50, but come on. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, early 30s, right, came on over here, and, but the reason I came, and it is a long story I won't go into, but basically, uh, I had visited in 2002 to do some ministry that got canceled, traveled around for a while, absolutely loved it, never thought that I would be back, that's a long story. Several months later, God spoke to me, I had a vision, and I saw all of America and half of the Atlantic was dark. Half of the Atlantic over across Europe was light, and out of London was this great big light. And not audibly, but nearly, the Lord said, your time in Michigan is done, and I'm sending you to England. And around that time, somebody, I had stayed in B&Bs the whole time I was in England, except for one time, I stayed with a friend of a friend of a friend, you know, like four friends down. And she phoned me, I hadn't spoken to her in months, all these months. She phoned me out of the blue and said, do you remember me? I said, yes. She goes, well, Jen, this is really funny, but... We keep feeling like the Lord's saying you're supposed to live with us. Does that mean anything to you? And I thought, yeah, I hope you're serious. <laughs> and then I had three different people at church. I didn't tell anybody, just prayed. Three different people at church came up to me randomly and said, 
God's to give you money for England? You going to England? And handed some money over. And there's a lot of other details that have fallen into place, but based, or that happened. But basically, within a couple of months, I literally, put, I had just bought a house, put the house on the market, sold that, got rid of everything, packed two beds. I didn't have a visa, didn't have a long-term place to live, didn't know anybody, didn't know why I was doing it, or God just said, go, just go. There was a strong, you know, wisdom says, get your ducks in a row, but he said, go now. And so I went, not having a clue where I was going to move or live or do, and there's been a million faith stories since then. Um, but just a few years ago, I got my citizenship. Whoa. And so, yes, um, one of you. Part of that was just because he thought, no, I'm in the country, I want citizenship. Part of that is because I think there is something about praying into a country that you're a citizen of. I'm not visiting, I am a citizen. I might not sound like it, but I belong in this country. <laughs> They've said that I can be here, so I'm going to pray from a place of authority into the United Kingdom. And partly just because it's kind of cool to have two passports. <laughs> so that's why I did that. So he is doing a new thing. God's all over you. I might come back to you later, but I just can't take my eyes off of you. Just this beautiful lady sitting there that, gosh, I don't do this very often, but I just strongly feel God has something strong for you, whether today or future, or I don't think you fully recognize actually what you carry. There's an authority, there's a strength, there's a wisdom that God has put in you that he's wanting to work through you. There's a little bit of a this that's been going on for a while, but there's this, and you might know that there's this calling, this stirring. I see you with a microphone. I see you giving testimony. I see you leading people. I see you leading women. I see you leading a charge. But there's a quiet strength in you. But there's something that has stolen your voice that has just kind of quieted and taken it away. And the Lord's wanting to build that up in you. And he's saying he's not forgotten you. He's not put you on the shelf. There is something that he has. You are stronger than you know. You are stronger than you know. And there's some people and some things that have tried to beat you down. But the Lord is wanting to raise you up, and he's wanting you to be a leader. But there's some things that you need to let go of. And you'll know what those are, now or later, to be able to step into that. There's an anointing and a calling on you that is really strong. But some of the world's stuff needs to get some of those chains off. Press in. When you press into him, he'll make that way. It's a partnership between the two. And I, Father, I just pray revelation of how much you love her. Revelation of who she is in Christ. Revelation of the intimate relationship with you. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. So God is doing a new thing. I haven't done that in a very, very, very long time. I feel the atmosphere is ripe for the Lord to just speak. Often when I preach, I say this, I, I, I call it this kind of prophetic preaching, where I'll just preach. I tend to, I don't very often do that. Very often I'll just preach into an atmosphere. And I feel like sometimes I'm just stirring an atmosphere. The Lord is stirring the atmosphere. And then the Holy Spirit is just going to begin to speak and speak and speak. And suddenly you'll find that you'll begin to see things. You'll begin to hear things. He's going to speak to you and he's going to speak to you very, very differently. But we're creating an atmosphere because, you know, I didn't get up that early this morning to come here and just do church. I love an encounter with God. I want an encounter. I don't want to tick this off as another, oh, here's another conference or we've done this for another year. Do you realize at any moment, at any day, we can have an actual encounter with God an actual healing and miracle can take place at any place. We just need to raise our expectation of God. I'm expecting something. So if your expectation is here, I challenge, raise it up here. God, I need to meet you. And he always comes through. I love the version that they've put on the pliers of the voice for Isaiah 43, 19. Watch closely. I am preparing something new. It's happening now, even as I speak. Even as I speak, you are about to see it. I am preparing a way through the desert. Waters will flow where there had been none. 
I've got a whole bunch of stuff to share, and we're just going to see how much time we have and how the Holy Spirit leads us. But as I was praying for you, I had this picture, um, and I felt like it was like if you imagine like a book. Okay, so we'll just look at the back. Imagine like you've got a book, and one page is just like this. I feel like you're just like this. Okay, you're right at that. And being right there can be for a day, a week, a month, a year. Okay, but you're right there. You finished one, you're not yet into, or you finished one from your perspective, you're not yet into the next. You can see the writing that has been there. You know that there's writing over here, but you don't know what it is. You're right here. It's a difficult place to be. It's exciting because you know you're about to step into something, but it's difficult because you are not fully there, but you're no longer fully there. Where am I? If I'm not there, and if I'm not yet there, Lord, what is going on here? And there's this window, this place, this pause. I felt like there's this pause for some people. There's a pause. And God wants to speak to you in that pause. I'm going to give a very, very brief, I've been saying this for a while wherever I've gone, just a very brief kind of where I feel that we're at as a church, and not just me, it's you know anybody who's remotely prophetic, you know this, we're stepping into a new season. And we've, we've stepped into, we're not stepping into, we have stepped into a new season. And back in September, this is the only time the Lord has done this for me, he strongly said, Jennifer, pay attention to Rosh Hashanah, to the Jewish New Year, to Yom Kippur, to all those things that are happening in September. That was the shift. That was the change. And he said, follow those, pay attention and listen. And I was following and paying attention and listening and pushing into God. And I'm sure many of you here as well. And all sorts of dreams and things were taking place in that month. And I was about to preach in October somewhere. And I was working on a message. And I was starting to write down, we're we're about to step into that Red Sea. We're about to cross cross over to something new. And I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit strongly pulled me up and he said, no, you are not. You are about to step into the Jordan River. Hallelujah. And I thought, river, river, water, water, red Jordan, potato, potato. Okay. But gosh, strong. And we're going to come back to that. Okay. I'm going to lead to that a few times. But I, before I come back to that, I want to say this. There are a few things that we need to carry into this next season. Two of them we're going to talk about this morning, if we get time, one this afternoon, that are key to stepping into this new place. And the first one is this. If you're going into a new season, you need a new language. And I felt very strong that there are some people that you need to change your language. There is a new language. There is an upgrade in faith. There is a language of faith that has got to be spoken stronger than ever before. I can feel it so strong because you have the seeds of it in the United Kingdom. It's there. You know, a few weeks back, I was I was uh, at church, actually, and there was someone who, I'm going to think she maybe just forgot who she was talking to because for she said uh, for a minute, she went, you know, Americans are quite shallow, aren't they? <laughs> And she went, oh. I said, no, we really can be. <laughs> but she was talking spiritually. Well, I think she was talking spiritually. All right? She's talking spiritually. They can be a bit shallow, Americans. I said, yes. I said, they can be. You know, a bit of the everything looks great. Let's have a coffee. Yada, yada, yada up here. I said, yes, there is a depth to the United Kingdom that I don't sense as much. And this is a broad stroke. Understand that. I don't sense as much over there. I said, but, I said, when I cross the Atlantic, and I said, I come over there, there's a depth of faith. There's a spark of faith that I don't feel in the same way that is over here. And I said, if we can take the depth, and we can take that faith, and we can put those two together, that is what is going to take us into this next season. So say, Lord, where is it in my language of faith that needs to change? Even in the natural, when things start to change, when you go into a new season, you change what you say. As opposed to saying it's freezing, you start saying, oh, it's so warm. As opposed to saying, oh, look at the color of the leaves, you're saying, there's a leaf. 
Okay? You're changing your language. There's a new language that needs to happen when we're coming into this next season. I don't know what it is for you. We're going to look at a few things. I have a sense, but there is something that needs to shift. Now, I want us to look at James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Very familiar scripture. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers. Not usually our favorite scripture. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Now, how many of us look at that verse and we're like, oh, count it all joy when you're going through trials? Is it just me? Remember, we're communicating with one another. Have you ever read that and like, I'm trying to count it all joy. This is not joyful. This doesn't feel joyful. This doesn't look joyful. I want to start reading James at chapter 5, or at verse 5, right? I want to skip those few. Count it all joy. It sounds kind of American. Count it all joy when you face a trial. It's going to be okay. Right? It's kind of that. But the depth, the faith, comes in those next verses where it says it will produce perfect, you will be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Now, if I had come up and I had just without any introduction said, how many of us want to leave this place today perfect, complete, and having absolutely no lack whatsoever? Yes, Lord. Great. A trial is going to get you there. Just going to do a little testing on you. Yeah, I don't want that. I didn't write the book. That's how it works. There's a perspective shift. And a lot of times our words speak about our trial. They speak about the trial. They speak about the difficulty. They speak about the testing. They speak about what we're going through. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, hear me. Everything, you know, I'm not saying take this to an extreme, okay? Please, please hear my heart. But there is something about when somebody says, how are you doing? Instead of saying, oh, I'm going through such a trial. Oh, things are difficult. Oh, things are. Instead of saying that, say, I'm being made perfect, complete, and I'm going to have no lack pretty soon. Really? No. Yes. No lack whatsoever. No lack. I'm perfect and complete. Oh, man, I want that. How do you get that? You just have to have a trial. Oh, I want a trial. You can't have my trial. I'm keeping my trial because I'm going to be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Look at the switch. Look at the switch. If we can start speaking that into an atmosphere, we will shift an atmosphere. If we can speak that into our family, we are going to shift our family, shift our church, shift our city, and you can shift a nation. I am not here to make the United Kingdom American. I am here to be kingdom-minded. 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 What does the word of God say? It says I can be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing in Christ. It is so hard to do. Has anybody ever found it difficult to do? Okay, I have found it really difficult to do at times. But this is one of the biggest switches, changes in the last couple of years. I don't know about you, but I know prior to September, the three or four years, two to three years before that, some of the most difficult, challenging years I've ever faced. And I would imagine there's quite a few people, because it didn't matter where I went, what country I preached in, saying the exact same thing. Whoo! 14, 15, 16, 17, those years. Oh my goodness. And as we're coming into 19, everybody's so excited. Come on, that's a new thing. I know it. We all feel it. We all believe it. And at this juncture, it can be easy to doubt it. Lord, we've had January. We've had February. We're now halfway through March. I haven't seen a change. Because your page is here. I haven't flipped the page yet. It's here. And if there's one thing that I've learned about the Lord, it's relishing and enjoying the season that you're in. Can I fully enjoy the trial? 
Can I fully embrace it knowing this is going to make me stronger than ever before? I won't have time to go into the story, but part of the, the huge difficulty for me has been in the financial area. Hit after hit after hit, just massively. To the point a couple of years ago, I looked at my bank account and I had a pound 19 staring at me. And I'm like, I looked at my phone, I'm like, a pound 19. I thought, I can't even buy a cup of coffee. And I sat there in that moment, I knew I had a decision to make that would impact my future. And I stared at that pound 19, knowing that I lived in London at the time and I had a couple thousand pounds worth of bills due every month. And every month I had no idea how I was going to make those payments. And I looked at that pound 19 and I said, thank you, Jesus, it's not a pound 18. I got a pound 19. Come on. Thank you, Lord. That's amazing. I got a pound 19. It could have been a pound. I got a pound 19. What could Jesus do with a pound 19? Think of how he could multiply that. I have no worries whatsoever. I'm like, Lord, you are providing for all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You are providing everything. You know that I have done everything that I can and partnered with you and been wisdom, been wise and sown and give and trusted. And not one bill ever was missed in that time. I ate a lot of beans. (laughs) Still eating a lot of beans. But boy, do I praise him. And I learned, change your language. Self-pity and I were best friends. Like best buddies. Like first name basis. Close, close, close. But I learned what self-pity does is he loves to have parties. And he'd throw these parties and I'd open the door and depression would come wandering on in. Take a place at the table. And I hear another knock at the door and I'd open the door and fear. Just coming on in, coming on in. Sit at the table. And I got tired of hearing the door get knocked on because I looked around my table And I thought, I'm not enjoying myself here. Something has to change. Some of you, not the ladies on your table right now, but you looking around your table thinking, I don't like this. I don't like who's sitting with me at the table. I don't like this group of people. And I decided I am kicking you out. Somebody's got to kick somebody out today. I just, I'm not going to belabor this. I didn't even plan on saying this, but I know that I know that this is for a few people. Somebody needs to kick some people, not here, off your table. You need to say no more. Because when I began to shift, when I began to speak differently, when I began to say what the word of God says, everything began to shift. I'd hear a knock on the door and I'd open it up and joy is like, party! Let's have a party and love and peace. Beautiful peace would just come flooding in. Ah, made all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. Numbers chapter 13 and 14, we're not going to look there. Some of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and I think most of us know, or many of us know, the story of basically the Israelites had been in slavery for 400 years. Lord, when are we getting out of this place? And we know that Moses, he was off in Midian. The Lord shows up in a burning bush, says, I've got an assignment for you. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yes, you can. I can't. I can't. Yes, you can. I can't. Okay, I'll bring Aaron. Okay. Okay. And then they go back. That's Jen's version. (laughs) Then they go back, and so Moses goes before Pharaoh. Let them go, don't want to. Let them go, don't want to. Please let them go, not going to. And then God steps in with all sorts of plagues and everything. Still not going to, still not going to. And then finally, the firstborn son dies. Pharaoh goes, go, thank you. They leave, hit the Red Sea. We know that. They cross the Red Sea. They now are heading into their promised land. Their page is just like this. That's where they are heading into the promised land. And I believe God in his throne is excited. Because in Numbers 13, he said, send spies in. Check out the land that I'm going to give you. 
he knew how amazing it was. Look at what God had done to prepare them for their next season. He had gotten Moses out of where he was, and he brought him over there. All the plagues, all the detail that went into place to get those millions of people out of slavery and into their next season. And many of us know they sent the spies in, 12 spies went in, and 10 of them came back and said, I don't like it. Those people are really tall. I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. And only two, Joshua and Caleb, said, come on, we can do this. But fear took away the promise. And this is what I felt, that our page is like this. We want to go into the next season. God is preparing the next season. It looks different for every person. He's saying, I want you to expand your vision. I want you to begin to dream further. What does it look like? What do you want to do? How do you want to partner with God? What gifts is he going to bring out of you in this next season? Because if you're breathing, there is purpose. And my goal at the end of the day, we all have purpose. Okay? So we're going to all really be breathing and going after our purpose. There is a purpose and a vision that God's expanding. But what is going to happen is fear. There'll be a, what do you do at that moment? What do you do at that moment? Second Kings chapter 6. Again, we're not going to go there for the sake of time. But it's one of my favorite stories as well. Let me say this before I go into it. Fear will try to steal your next season. Fear will always try to steal your next season. And let me say this also. Fear will always speak the negative. So if I want to change my language, I cannot speak fear. We spoke, I think a lot of us, myself included, in the last season, a lot of fear. Fear will never speak truth or faith. Ever. We must change our language to go into the next season because all they could see were the obstacles, where they were giants and we're just these tiny little grasshoppers. Fear had them frozen in slavery. Fear had them frozen in their last season. Fear actually, heck, I didn't think about this until right now. Fear had them frozen like this going around a desert for 40 years. Not there, but not yet there. Oh, come on. I don't know about you. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be this. Use this as a picture. This is where we are. What am I going to do? What do I personally need to do to flip over that page? In 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a story about Elisha. And Elisha is... um Constantly telling the king of Israel what the enemy is going to do. I can't remember, Aramean maybe? I can't remember what the name of the enemy, which city they were from. But basically, the enemy was trying to go after the king of Israel. And Elisha would get a download from God. He'd tell the king of Israel, and then they would escape. Well, it really started to annoy the enemy. And I find this very humorous. So what the enemy decided to do, he said, right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do an ambush on Elisha. Okay, he was not the brightest bulb in the bunch. Because if God always told Elisha what he was going to do against the king, do you not think he'd give him a heads up? If he was going to come after him? You see, are you with me? And so Elisha's in his house with his servant. And he sends his servant out to get a Starbucks. And the servant goes to the door and opens the door. And as he looks, he sees that they are completely surrounded by horses and chariots of the enemy. I don't know how many there are. I imagine hundreds. I might be wrong. But I just imagine just loads surrounding them. And he's like, uh, uh, boss. And Elisha comes wandering over. And he said, yeah. And he's like, uh, uh. And Elisha peeks out. And he sees something different. So he says something different. Because when we see something different, we will always speak something different. And so he looks out and he says, Oh, Lord, open his eyes. 
I love it. It's like this humorous interaction with he and the Lord, like this little secret that they have. And he's like, I'll let him in on the joke. (laughs) Come on, Lord, open his eyes. So he opens his eyes, and then suddenly, you know what he sees? He sees right behind the chariots and horses. I love this picture, because you can imagine the enemy is like this. You know, the enemy's angry. The enemy's thinking, we've got them cornered in that little house right there. We've surrounded them. There's no place for them to go. And the enemy's bloodthirsty, not knowing that on his right shoulder is a massive angel in horses and chariots of fire because God always does one greater than the enemy. There was no reason to fear. You know that song, one of my favorite songs, when we're surrounded. But when I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. When I feel surrounded, when I feel afraid, when I go into that and I I get a glimpse of the next season and I'm not sure, Lord, if I want that, I'm surrounded by your presence in this Sometimes we just need to stop. Stop. And allow his presence. And allow his peace to come around. Because as it does, it changes what we see. And it will change what we say. Don't try to say without seeing And don't try to see without getting in the presence of God. It starts with Lord. Just speak the word Lord. I'm going to do a little bit of that tomorrow. I think at church preach a little bit on that. Just speak the Lord. Speak the name. Speak the name. You don't know what else to say. Just speak the name. Jesus. 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 You see as you speak it, Jesus. 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 Jesus, and you just give peace. Okay, Lord, in this place now, open my eyes that I might see. What are you doing? Just close your eyes for a minute in this place. Just sense the spirit here. And just say, Lord, Speak the name Jesus. 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 The Lord's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's surrounding you. Don't be afraid of that news. Don't fear. I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I see you. I hear you. I'm with you. I know when you lie down. I know when you stand up. I'm never going to leave your side. I will be there every step of the journey. I'm excited about your next season. Because we're in this together. I want you to hold my hand when that page turns. And I'm going to help you see things beyond what you could dream or even imagine. I am your God. I am your King. I am your Lord. I love you. I know you. And yes, I still love everything about you. I knit you together. You're made out of intimacy. Knit together. My Father loves you. The Spirit loves you. We are with you. We were with you at the beginning. And we are with you now. And we will be with you until we see each other face to face. Step into this place.
and begin to see. Father, I ask that you open eyes. Father, I ask, I just see blinds being opened, like curtain blinds being opened. I pray, Father, for a release of just vision, of wisdom, of sight, of understanding. No fear, no fear can be in this room. No fear can remain in this place. We silence the spirit of fear. We declare Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is. He is. Seated high and lifted up on his throne. God's going to give you a new vision for a new day. He's going to give you a new understanding, whether it happens now or later today or tomorrow or in your dreams. He's going to give you a new vision. I see you, I see him writing. I feel like the Lord is just writing. He's writing different visions and I see him like making little paper airplanes and throwing them down <laughs> to people. And he's going to throw down these little paper airplanes and there's going to be vision and wisdom and direction. Peace. He's saying, peace be still. There's peace. There's been turmoil. He's saying, peace. 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 Peace in the new place. There's peace in the new place. Since he's saying, don't limit your vision. Don't limit him. Dream big. Dream big. Expand that vision. Thank you, Father. Stay open in your spirit as we go on. What he might want to say. If you need to close your eyes, don't fall asleep, but do listen to what he's saying. One of the things, when they went into that promised land, the spies, and then they came back out, and I alluded to it just a bit ago, one of the things they said is, you look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Okay, God had just saved them from 400 years of slavery. He had just parted the Red Sea. He'd just done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. But because they didn't understand their identity, they created a new one. Going into this next season, church, and I mean big C, church all over the place, as believers, we have got to know our identity in Christ. That, along with our language, is going to help change how we step into that new place. And if I don't want to stay here, but I want the page to go there, I have to understand my identity. There's an identity crisis going on around the world. There's a misunderstanding of identity. There's a phrase I say, I can't remember it now, I don't know if you remember, all the time. That's all right, it must not be important but all around the identity. There was something, I don't know if you saw this, maybe three, four, six months ago, something like that on the news, about a man who's 69, who wanted to be 49. I could feel myself getting offended. <laughs> and I think it's because I'm 49. <laughs> I'm like, you what? I mean, I literally out loud, I went, what? As I'm reading this on my phone, I'm like, you're 69, but you want to be 49. I'm like, you don't get a do-over. You don't get to do it over again. You were 49. I'm 49. Get out of my 49 space. You don't belong in 49. Stay in 69. But I feel it. I don't care. Good for you. Feel it in 69, but not in 49. But when we don't understand our identity, we will try to create an identity. I don't feel that I'm this, so I'm going to make myself that. It doesn't work that way. You can't just suddenly be 49 years old. You've been on the earth for 69 years, baby. I'm really sorry. And the reason he wanted to do it was to go on a dating site because that's a good way to start a relationship. Lie about your age by 20 years. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I was this close to wanting to find his phone number and call him. <laughs> Come on. Enjoy your season. Enjoy it, relish it, look at it through the eyes of faith and take everything you can out of it. 
But when we don't know the identity, we will try to create one. What is your identity in Christ? How do you, how much do you fully know that you know that you know that you know that you know who you are? That you know whose you are? That you know you are redeemed? That you know you are saved? That you know that you are holy? That you know in Christ I am perfected? That you know that all of his righteousness was given to us and all of my rubbish was given to him on the cross? Do you know that he has filled you and empowered you with everything to do everything that he's called you to do beyond what you could dream or even imagine do you know all the fruit of the spirit is in there you don't have to go and look for peace it's there love joy peace patience kindness goodness jealous faithfulness stuff the growth they're all in here oh I just can't I just can't do that I don't have control it's in there it's in there, in the spirit of the living God, dwelling on the inside of each one of us. But the enemy is going to lie to us and say, you can't do it, you don't have it, you won't be it. A lie from the pit of hell itself. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I have every need provided for. And I will accomplish to the last detail, is what the Jesus said in John 17. To the last detail, what he's called and purposed us to do. That's who we are. Oh, I think that was good. Okay. <laughs> Can I tell you a quick story? I want to build faith. I'm building faith here, and then we're going to move on in just a second. Several years ago, well, like I said, three, four years ago, when I had my pound 19, not 18, pound 19 in the bank account, I got an email through one day, and this email was from this very high-end makeup store that I like. And I only go there twice a year to get a lipstick in the spring and then to get a lipstick kind of in the autumn. And they kind of carry you through, you know, those six months, and then you fill in. I don't know if anybody else does that, but you fill in with other things in between. But I love a good lipstick, right? Anyway, clearly had not been there for well over a year or so because, you know, if you eat beans, you don't buy a nice lipstick, okay? So anyway, this email popped up as I was working and was writing something. This email popped up from this from the store, and they said, you know, we haven't seen you for a while. We've missed you. And I'm like, yeah, I miss you too. <laughs> and uh, they said, here's a five-pound voucher for you. So I was like, oh, amazing. And I thought, okay, I'm eating beans. You're not, you're not buying lipstick. So I said out loud, I said, Lord, I'd really love a new lipstick. I said, but I will only use this if you tell me that it's for lipstick and you give me the money. And I kind of laughed and then I went on writing. Did not think about it again. I was working on a message, I think, because I was preaching the next day at a women's meeting. So that next day, I went to the women's meeting, very small, like 20 ladies there, went to this small women's meeting, just chatting, you know, doing a message, whatever, finished praying with people at the end. And there's a lady I could see just kind of hanging back by the side. And she was just hanging over there, and finally, when I was finished with everybody else, she came walking up, and she was very nervous. And so she, you know, walked up and just said, well, uh, she goes, I don't need prayer. I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't need prayer, I don't need prayer. She goes, I just, oh, I just have a strange question for you. Sure. She goes, I feel a bit silly, but do you need any lipstick? <laughs> I, sh I said, excuse me? And she went, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, it's a really silly question because I had cheap lipstick on. She goes, I know, I'm, I'm sorry. She goes, I just, do you need any lipstick? And I said, well, I said, actually, I, I could do with some. And she went, oh, good. She said, Jen, when you went up there and you put your Bible down, she said, you haven't even opened your mouth yet. And the Holy Spirit said, would you give her 20 pounds for lipstick? Come on. Sticks I've been given over the last several months. I'm like, I'm going to do an illustration with a car next. Okay. <laughs> if he cares about that, if he can work out that detail, do you not think he can work out the detail in your lives right now? The things that you're wanting, the things that you're dreaming for, the things you're believing for, the things that are in that next chapter. I know this previous chapter has been a little bit rubbish. For many people, it maybe has been the worst chapter of your lives. Don't assume the next one is going to be a replicate. You don't need two of the same chapter in a book. That'd be a bad book. 
they change the chapter because you're moving on to something new. Oh, that is a word for somebody. God's changing the chapter because you're moving on to something new. But you've got to be willing to change with him. Your mindset has to change. Your mouth has to change. Your expectation. Everything needs to change to get into that next chapter. Okay. You still with me? Yeah. Okay, good. Number two, we also need a new approach. Now, this is the another interesting thing. So when it came to the Red Sea versus the Jordan, the difference between the two, obviously at the Red Sea, they went into the Promised Land. They didn't understand their identity, so they created a new one. The Jordan River, they understood their identity, and they went into the Promised Land as free, no longer as slaves. That's the first difference. The second key difference is that when they were at the Red Sea, Moses, the leader, is the one that stepped forward, and everybody followed. This is very important. At the Jordan River, this is the priests and the people went forth and the sea parted. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm telling you what, this is a season for all people to lead the way. This isn't about the leader doing it. It's about having an upgrade in responsibility and faith. We can get excited about stepping into the promised land. We can get excited to leave this chapter behind. We can get excited for something new. But how many of you know, when you go into something new, you must, in God, have an upgrade in your faith and in responsibility. And that is part of what we are doing and what we are moving to. He said, I want the whole church to be doing this. This isn't about the person up front. This isn't about the person with the microphone. This isn't about the big name and big stage and the big whatevers, okay? I clearly don't have a problem. That's part of my calling. But my calling is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And we are moving into a new season where the saints are getting revelation of their calling. They're getting revelation of their identity. They're getting revelation of your purpose. You're getting revelation and wisdom. And especially on this side of the Atlantic, I'm saying, Lord, open the doors. Please let me preach this message everywhere I can to rally the people and rally the troops along with everybody else that is doing that. But to say, come on, you can do this. The seeds that are in this nation, the seeds that are in the United Kingdom from years ago, the seeds that are in the soil, now is the time to step into this new place knowing who you are. Knowing whose you are. But we have to choose to be part of it. This isn't, I'm just going to follow along behind somebody else. You know what happened in the desert? They all collected manna that God provided every single day. Not in the promised land. You've got to work. There's something about going into a season of I'm working, not works. It's a big difference between work and works. I'm not talking works. I'm talking work. Work, God, what have you ordained me to do, empowered me to do, I'm going to walk into that. Works, I'm going to do this because I'm going to try and gain the favor of God. No, that's why you needed to understand your identity. Because once I know my identity, I don't need to work for God. I'm serving him out of love in my heart. And that is going to sustain us in the next season and in the next generation as we, as a church, move up in responsibility and in faith. Oh, it's an exciting season. It's an exciting season that he's taken us into. But we must trust his leading. Don't get in front of him. You know, somebody, I had a message yesterday from a girl that I mentored like 20, 25 years ago. And she's kind of messaged me a little bit out of the blue. And she messaged me because I lost a lot of things, again, without going into all the, the details. But there were several things that I lost a few years ago of just income and all sorts of things. And one of the things that I lost was my car. I believe the um, enemy stole from me. 
We basically had a 2011 car completely, long story short, I got 18 quid for it, literally. So I took that 18 pounds and I immediately sewed it into a ministry, prayed over it. I said, Lord, you're going to multiply that to a beautiful car. And the Lord said, I'm giving you an upgrade. I said, I receive it in Jesus' name. <laughs> so I've been holding on and holding on and holding. And I'm at total, total, total peace about it. Like just trusting God. There's a long story there. But anyway, she sent me a message and she said, what's the latest on the car? I said, I'm at peace. I said, I'm trusting God. He knows what we need. He knows all of the details around it. And I said, this is the thing. I said, I don't want to try and make it happen. I don't want to try and get ahead of God. I've done what I can. I've saved for such and such and saved for certain things, but I can't do that. But I've done what I can. And I said, I don't want to get ahead of God because he's not obligated to pay for my presumption. If I presume on him that he's going to do this, he's not obligated to pay for that. Or my assumption. He's not obligated. But if I stay in line with the Lord and I listen for his leading and I trust for his provision, like with the lipstick, simple. Just multiply that into your situation. Trust him. Trust him. Then he provides. I don't have to work for it. If I get in there trying to work for it, he's not obligated to work with that. He's like, I didn't ask you to do that. This is a partnership, Jen. That's what he's saying. This is a partnership. Saying to you, it's a partnership. He's not up there. We're down here. It's this beautiful partnership. I just finished a book this last week. I'm so excited for it to come out and about intimacy and partnering with God. And it's looking at Moses and how Moses hid his face. And then 30 chapters later, he spoke with God face to face. How do you go from hiding to speaking with God face and it takes us on this beautiful journey of intimacy. It's a partnership with him. Okay. Once they've come through that next season, they know their identity. They recognize an upgrade in responsibility. One of the first things that happens, well, let's read it. Joshua chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpet. And when they make a long blast in the rams, on the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before them. Verse 20 says this, So the people shouted, the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. The wall fell down flat, so the people went into the city, every man straight before them, and they captured a city. That's where we're going. But we're not ready to shout yet. I believe that the season that we're in right now, part of what God's wanting to speak to each one of us right now, is to prepare to shout. It's the preparation of shouting. You cannot shout in faith if you carry a whimper of doubt. You cannot shout in faith if you carry a whimper of doubt. Now, I'm not saying never have doubt and never have fear. Of course we're going to have doubt and of course we're going to have fear. I'm just saying don't give it the last word. That's the difference. It comes in and you say, no, actually, out. This is my declaration. This is what I believe. This is what I'm standing on until I see Jesus face to face. I'm not moving off of that. I'll tell you what. One of the greatest things, since my salvation, this has been one of the most life-changing decisions that I've ever made. I refuse fear and doubt to last in my atmosphere. I refuse it. It will come. 
but I will not allow it to stay. And even speaking it, you know what goes through my mind? Boy, you're going to be tested. Well, you're going to be tested in that. You're really going to be tested. Well, guess what I read at the beginning of the preach? I'm going to come out looking pretty good at the end of that test because I'm being made perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. I don't go looking for it. I don't go expecting it. But I will speak against it when it comes toward me. Oh, I didn't mean to belabor it, but I feel like this. there's something here that maybe it's a mindset shift, a decision shift. Maybe that's what, come on, today, you have an accountability partner. Help me with this. Help me watch what I speak. Help me watch what I think. I'm not allowing fear anymore to rule my life. Don't allow it. I don't know. Do I have the right crowd? Do I not have the right crowd? Am I talking to anybody that's... Do I? You tell me I've got the right crowd. I'll talk to you. I'll talk. None of you deal with fear. I'll talk to you. Right? You tell it where to go. You tell it to go back to where it came from. I will not allow you. I'm not, no, I do have the right crowd because it wouldn't be such a fight if I didn't have the right crowd. You have the ability to speak this, to change this, to shift this. Take that into your next season. Take that into your next chapter. Do not allow the same language or the same approach that you've always had to go into the next season. God's upgrading you. He's upgrading you. He's upgrading you. So that when your neighbor says they have cancer, you say, let me just pray. And in the name of Jesus, I declare healing. And it's out of a place of faith, not because of who we are. It's because of who he is. And because there's going to be a release. He's releasing some things. We're going into a good season. But it, we've got to believe it. Every single person. It's not the person with the microphone. It's not the pastors, as much as I respect them. It isn't. It's every one of us accepting that responsibility and getting excited about it. Get excited about who can I pray for? Who can I believe for? What can we see, God? What do you want to do? Take me out of my comfort zone. Do you realize once you are no longer afraid of being outside your comfort zone, the enemy can't use that against you. When you're not afraid of fear, he's just lost one of his biggest cards and his biggest weapons. I mean, imagine that. If I'm no longer afraid of fear and he holds it up and I'm like, yeah, move aside. (laughs) Whatever. Because I see that behind you, there's an angel who's sitting in a chariot filled with fire and you are going to be blinded in a minute and you're going to be gone. But I'm going to go into my next season. Oh, somebody needs to thank the Lord for that because that was really, that was good. Come on. Okay, can I have a couple more minutes? Is this all right? Are we still okay? Am I okay for a couple more minutes? Okay, okay. Holy Spirit, help me know which bit that you want me to do. Very quickly, let me just jot this down. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. It says, consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord is going to do amazing things among you. I've been meditating. I'm not going to preach on it because I haven't felt released to really preach on it yet. But I've been meditating a lot on that. Because before, you know, when they went in toward their promised land, the first thing they hit was a wall. I just did, I think I just did a video on this. I'm doing Facebook Live videos. If anybody's into Facebook, you can follow me at Jen Baker Inspire. I'm doing a lot of Facebook Lives and I do other videos, monthly videos and words of just kind of what I'm sensing God saying. And, and I'm pretty sure I did one about, I feel like we've just hit a wall. Some people have been really excited. Yay, New Year! 2019, whoa! Wham! Anybody had a whim? <laughs> like, whoa. Okay. Didn't see that one come in. But what did they do right before that? Consecrate yourself. What is that? Come back into that understanding of holiness. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. That is the stance we must have going into the next season. Oh, I can feel his presence again, that holiness that comes from him. Like I said earlier, that cross took all of our rubbish. Fear, 
anxiety, sickness, disease, dread, self-pity, anger, all of that bondage, all those chains, just all of it got put on the precious Jesus. And he said here, total and complete freedom, beauty, holiness, joy, love, new beginning, fresh start, dreams, visions, empowered to do everything you were created to do. Here you go. It's yours. Receive it. See yourself in that place, clothed in the presence of God, in the purity of God, in the holiness. We're not holy because of what we've done. We're holy because of what Jesus did. In that place to consecrate yourselves. Is there anything he's saying? Drop in this place. Is there anything that you're holding that you're carrying on to? He said that isn't meant for your next season. Let it go. And if you're able, I want you to imagine yourself dropping it. It could be a habit. It could be a desire. It could be a situation. It could be something relationally with your job, financially. That's not holy. It could be a sickness, a disease that you've been worried about. Let it go. Father, I pray that in this place, even right now, there would be a beautiful exchange that would begin to happen. And Father, as people have put things down, Lord, you would be showing them what they can take up. As they've been letting things go, I ask Holy Spirit that you would give gifts of redemption, of freedom, of joy and of peace. Show them what's already in them. Ask Father for your comfort. Ask for your peace. You know, when I was six years old, very clear memory. I don't have a very good memory in general, but I have a very clear memory of, of being a little six-year-old. And, you know, Ruth talked about this book, Unshakable Confidence. Please, could you just hand that to somebody? And that, is, that really is all, it's about my journey of just going from fear, tremendous, tremendous fear and anxiety, into kingdom confidence. I think it's not, I am woman, hear me roar, sit down. And neither is it, I am woman, I have no voice, stand up. I'm a woman and I walk in a kingdom, confidence. And part of that journey. So when I was young, I would never talk to anybody, I would never look at anybody, I was just terrified and, and, and shy and insecure. And I remember this lady <coughs> came up to me, an older lady, probably my age, <laughs> but you know, when you're six, she was, you know, that close to the grave, and uh, I remember she walked up to me, and uh, she had curly, like, grayish hair and glasses, and she leaned down, and she said, so what are you going to be when you grow up? And I remember very uncharacteristically of me, I put my shoulder, I actually stood up straight, and I put my shoulders back, I said, I'm going to change the world, <laughs> and she went, no, really? <laughs> Are you going to be that Marian like your daddy? And I remember feeling like, oh, 
maybe that was a bad answer. What was wrong with my answer? And, and so I remember saying it again, but not quite so confidently. And I'm like, I'm going to change the world. And she just looked at me and she went, mm-hmm. and she just walked away. And for years, I would think about that and I would preach and I would say, that woman missed an amazing opportunity. To look at that little girl and say, that's right. You can change the world. You can do anything that God has said you can do. But in the last couple of years, the Lord shifted my perspective. And I felt like he showed me something. He said, Jen, maybe it wasn't so much about you. Maybe it was more about her and where she was at. Yes, I used to think that too. Yeah, I remember having a dream once. I'll keep my mouth shut because I don't want to shatter what life's going to do to you. And both have threads of truth. Life is tough. Seasons are Heart. Difficulties will come. Challenges are there. But they do not need to shape your next season because God can do the impossible in the next chapter. And that is where we're headed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Center Church. One church, passionately loving God and people, in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news, or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.